TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Hey, Bear fan. This is Devin Hansel and a new member of the Hall of Fame. Bear down. Hello, Chicago. Steve's already working on his induction speech and it's hello, Chicago. Thank you, Chicago. Bear down. Caravan to Canton. Let's go, baby. It's Saturday Suckage on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. Welcome in, welcome back. Devin Hester, the top of this segment. Talking to you, Chicago. Chicago Bears fans as a new member of the Hall of Fame, deserving member of the Hall of Fame. And then the best story, Steve McMichael. That was Misty McMichael, Steve's wife. Steve down with ALS. Um, he's, he's able, in some ways, to write and communicate with his eyes which is a, a great accomplishment. And other people will do the talking for him, as it turns out, and did. And he is a member of the Hall of Fame awaiting induction this summer. Sure seems like the Bears are going to play in that game. We have lots of things to talk about. Nobody better to talk about it than my next guest on the guest hotline, presented by Circus Sports Illinois. He's Hub Arkish, senior NFL analyst for The Score. Hub, how are you today? I am doing good, Steve. How are you? I am groovy because <laughs> I was very happy to see the Devin Hester deserved it. Steve Michael deserved Steve McMichael deserved it. And I know there was the yeah, well, you look at it, it goes a really heart tugging story. When he left the game, when he retired, he had the he led the NFL in defense led NFL defensive tackles in career sacks. And that's saying something. That's a tough position, a position where you get chewed up, and he did that. It, so he was quite deserving. Your view of Mongo getting into the Hall of Fame and the kind of player he was. You know, I think that's one of the keys right now, Steve, is there is no question that he is a Hall of Fame defensive tackle, you know, and certainly, you know, his illness is a terribly difficult and and. and in, in many ways, sad story. Um, but at the end of the day, that's not why he's getting in the Hall of Fame. He is one of the best defensive tackles of all time. And, you know, Steve, we know this because, you know, he covered it. There was so much talent on that team that it was easy for some guys to get underrated a little bit. And I don't know that during his career, uh, Mongo ever got all the credit he deserved because he was just surrounded by so many great football players and you know but he was as good as the rest of them and he absolutely deserves to be in the Hall of Fame as a football player not just as a person. I remember when I was when one of the 20 XX years after Super Bowl XX and I was tracking down a bunch of Bears who played Super Bears 
And in talking with McMichael, he talked about, though, though the comparison was Hampton and McMichael as sort of as troglodytes, they were cavemen playing football, and that's the way Ditka wanted it played, <laughs> that to play Buddy Ryan's offense, to play on that defensive line, you needed to be smart. There were very smart players on that defensive line, and that's what they were able to use to their advantage when it never looked that way. Do you agree with that? Do you feel that was the case? Do you think that that's a part of the story that isn't told enough? Yeah, I think that's a part of it. You know, the, the 46 defense changed the NFL for the next 10, 15 years. You know, there were other teams that tried it but didn't have the talent that the Bears had, so they couldn't run it as well. But there is no question that, and again, I keep getting back to all the talent on that defense. With all of those people around you all able to make plays, um, you know, being smart was the key to knowing what was going on, to being able to, to be able to feel what was going to happen next and to do the right things. And so, you know, for all of them, all 11 of them, or, you know, 15 or however many guys we want to talk about, um, you know, it wasn't just about talent. It was understanding what everybody was doing and making it work. And, and, and Ming, you know, I think did it as well. I, I mean, Hamp and I have talked a lot about this, and, and Ming did it as well, if not better, than anybody else. Is there, when you hear, when someone says Steve McMichael or asks you, is there a snapshot, a photo that, that flashes in your mind, a single, whether it's a play or, or something that shows up when someone says Steve McMichael to you? Um, there's, a, there's a number of things, but a few of them are actually during games and football. You know, it was so long ago that they played uh, mm-hmm. that going back to those special moments are hard to get. But he was such a personality. You know, that there, there are so many snapshots for me, um, you know, but I, I think there, there was, I don't remember, you know, which game it was or even which team, but I can picture the play right now. There was one sack that he had, and it was during the 85 season where he, he took the quarterback down, and I was worried for a few minutes that he killed the guy. <laughs> you know, he, just hit him, he, he just hit him so hard. And, 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 you know, it was a great play, and it took about five minutes for them to get the quarterback up and off the field. And, I'm, I mean, when we get off the air, I'm going to go back and check and remember, you know, what game and play that was. But um, there were a number of moments like that, uh, and that was the thing about Ming. I mean, you know, when you remember him as a player, you remember the just unbelievable hits that, that he put on and, and the way he made it work. Ming the Merciless. That was an example of it. And you got a lot of research to do, by the way. They knocked out 13 quarterbacks that year. You got a lot of research <laughs> to go back. You know, one of the, one of the things, the, the picture that pops, one of the pictures that pops into my mind, besides him putting lipstick all over Mark Greco in the, the famous, the notorious Sunday night shows, but there was a scene, there was a picture in, Platteville, and he's standing out there where our dorms are not far from where he was standing out, and he was holding that itty-bitty dog of his in these big, muscular arms, and here's this this big guy from Texas, and so we're several writers and, and Ming, we, we and, and McMichael were trading comments and conversation, and it struck me, this is, he's the last bear. He's the last guy. He's looking like this. He's holding this itty bitty dog, and he will tear apart anybody in the other on the other side of the line. 
But he was like the last bear, and this is the way he looks. And he kind of was. Yeah, I think in many respects. Well, he played, you know, people tend to forget that he uh, was with the Bears, I think, for a year or two after Hamp. And then, you know, he went uh, to the to the, line, uh, to the Packers, you know, for a year. Mm-hmm. And um, he played 15 years in the end. Imagine that, just that by itself with, you know, how hard that game is to play, to play for 15 years. And, uh, yeah, he, he was the last uh, of that 85 team. He was the last guy still going at it and, uh, and still making plays, by the way. Of <laughs> Arkish is my guest. We're talking Bears football, Hall of Fame football here on The Score. Devin Hester, I, I started comparing Devin Hester's rejection to the way baseball Hall of Fame writers looked at closers. And if you don't see a guy who changed the game the way closers did, the way the ninth inning is so difficult to pitch, and if you don't see the way a guy changed the game and changed the rules as Devin Hester, I don't see any. Re- I don't see how he couldn't be a first ballot guy. If you change the game, you should get fast tracked into it. And I, I'm, I'm quite passionate about this. How did you look at the Devin Hester induction, the vote, the induction? Eventually, he got in, but not on the first ballot. You know, I think a lot of people don't realize, Steve, that the majority of the members of the Hall of Fame didn't get in on the first ballot. You know, there is so much talent and so many people to consider. And when the folks who are making the choice are going over the eligible people, you know, they're immediately dealing with guys who didn't get in last year or the year before but have to get in. And so I thought Devin getting in in the third year as the first and probably the only you know, special teamer who, who will ever be in there. I shouldn't say probably, but maybe the only. I think getting in in the third year is a compliment. I, I don't think it was, you know, uh, a negative in any way that he didn't get in, in the first year, just the way the Hall, the Hall of Fame, uh, you know, selection process works. So I think people are a little too, you know, worried too much about that. The bottom line is that in just his third year, he's in. He is the only. Uh, special teamer, you know, primary special teamer. He was a wide receiver uh, in the Hall of Fame. And so I take it actually more as almost a compliment that he got in on the third ballot as opposed to the first. So you don't count punters and kickers as special teamers, even though every long snapper will tell you we need them because there's nothing at the other end if we don't have them. I, I, I guess you do. But I don't know about you, Steve. I can't name a punter. <laughs> Ray Guy. I can name Ray Guy. I'm a Raiders fan. Yeah. I can name Ray Guy I, I mean, and Jan and Stenrud. We didn't like them, Chiefs. But I can name Jan Stenrud. I mean, and I'm probably Morton Anderson. I think he's a Hall of Famer, too. Yeah, I guess the more appropriate and correct way to put it in when we talk about Devin is the only kick returner yeah. in the Hall of Fame as opposed to the only special teamer. And Julius Peppers had... He was never into self-hype, never into promoting himself, never really that guy, but a just a, a remarkable career. And yet, unfairly, given the man's accomplishments, my lasting memory is him missing Aaron Rodgers on that play, fourth and eight, and Chris Conti having no idea what defense they're in, and there's Randall Cobb. I just, I can't shed that. Memory. I can't shed that image of Julius Peppers. Well, yeah, it was it was a big game, you know, and, and we're going to remember that. But I think what people, I personally believe, what people should, or Bears fans, I should say, should more remember about Pep is, is that 
his four years with the Bears were probably his four best years in the NFL. I mean, he was great with the Panthers, no question about it. He, he played well after he left the Bears. But but his four best seasons, most dominant seasons, I think, were those four seasons um, when you go back and study his career. And, and again, can't think of a more – you know, meaningful uh, or, or guy who deserves it more, and um, I don't. I don't think of him as a panther or as anything else. I, I think of him as a bear. Hal Barker is my guest, NFL senior analyst for the Score. We're talking football here on it. I I can't help but look at the Super Bowl through the Bears prism because that's what we do here. And boy, they spent a bunch of time this week asking everybody, Fields or Williams, what would you do with the number one pick? How would you do that? Everybody who walked around, everybody who was there, everybody was hawking razor blades and and underarm wipe and all that kind of stuff. In watching the Super Bowl, you, you we have the makings of a terrific game, terrific offenses, two different ways these teams were built. And that concerns me that that is a the prism through which I'm watching this game as it looks, as as it views, as a view of the Bears, how they should or could approach it. Will you look at the Super Bowl that way, or look at it after? In in that way, is is one way better than the other? Is one your preferred manner of building a team? Not really. I mean, both ways got them to the Super Bowl. You know? yeah. So, they, yeah, they, they can work. And I, I tend to look at it and in relationship to the Bears. I think, you know, most people don't even remember or realize or think about it. But Ryan Poles earned a general manager's job working for the Chiefs, you know. And, and I think a lot of what he's doing is, is what, you know, he learned there. And I think that Bears fans should feel good and feel confident about that. Now, the Chiefs are put together uh, differently than the 49ers, and I assume you're going to ask me. I'm, I'm not going to be picking the Chiefs, and this is one of the hardest games for me for me to pick in, in the 45 years I've been doing this because they're, they're so close. Um, I just think that the 49ers are, are more talented, and since I can't decide which one's going to win, I go with that. But as far as you know, any relationship to the Bears – I think the Bears have to feel good about this one because a lot of what Ryan Poles is doing, he learned from helping to build the Chiefs. And I think that's why they go, if there's a quarterback that makes him run down the hallway the way Pat Mahomes made Manny Reed, somebody run down the hallway in Kansas City, if that quarterback exists, I think that's why that that's where that number one pick goes. And it, a lot of stuff falls in line with the way Kansas City built the team. And you're right. That's a good way to go. They keep getting to the Super Bowl. That's that's a good that's a good plan. It beats it's better than hope. And I would favor that. And that's why I look at the at the at the way the Bears are going about building this team and the way Ryan Poles has I'll ask you if you think it's his playing poker and trying to gin up the price or trying to when he says, when when he Ian Rappaport reports that it would take a crazy offer, monumental offer for us to get off the number one pick, that let's say it was leaked by Ryan Poles to Ian Rappaport, which is something we already knew it would take a big offer. But let's say, like last year, maybe he's found his David Tepper of this year. You found an anxious owner a guy who's impetuous, wants it now, is used to having it now, is used to having it his way, and Ryan Poles maybe played him. Let's say this owner's 
this this owner this year is Magic Johnson with the Commanders. And he swooped in and got Cliff Kingsbury from the Raiders, said, hey, come over here, we're doing this, and found him anxious. Do you see that being part of the play, the way Ryan Poles operates? Well, I mean, I, I don't know Ryan well enough personally to, to really say that I, that I know how he operates or how he's doing these things. But I have, you know, covered his time with the Bears and, and have had a number, you know, a few conversations with him. And, um, you know, I honestly just don't think he's made up his mind yet and don't think he should have made up his mind yet. And, and as far as how he does this, he showed us last year with the trade. We know he can do that, um, you know, with the pick that he ended up with last year. He got a guy who ended up an all-rookie, you know, and so we know – that, that he knows what to do with those first-round picks. I just think this is such a unique situation because there is so much focus on that pick and on Caleb Williams, and yet this is a draft that, that people have been talking about for two years already as one of the best quarterback drafts of all time. There are going to be at least four, probably five, and possibly as many as six quarterbacks taken in the first round, and it's just too – we haven't gone to the combine yet. It's just too soon – to be absolutely sure that Williams is the one of those four or five, six, and to use the first-round pick on him without being absolutely positive of that, I don't think you can do that. I don't think you should do that. I don't think they should keep the pick. I think they should trade it because, in my opinion, this is just my opinion, there is a better quarterback, maybe two better quarterbacks, better NFL quarterbacks available than Caleb Williams from what I've seen so far, and you can make a trade like you made last year and still end up with the best you know, quarterback in the draft, much like the Chiefs did with Mahomes. And so I know it's so hard for fans to be patient, but I think we just have to enjoy all the coverage we're going to have for the next. It's probably, uh, you know, the decision, well, the decision won't be made until the day of the draft if he doesn't trade the pick. But if he's going to trade the pick, much like last year, that'll probably be decided in the next, you know, five, six, seven weeks. And, um, you know, until then, I would say, just enjoy the coverage, all the talent that is out there, and all the options that the Bears have. And I think what's more important, Steve, is the Bears are in the pivotal and key year of their rebuild right now. Year three is what it's all about. It was crazy last year to talk about Justin Fields as an MVP or the Bears as a playoff team. But this year it's fair to hope that they compete for the playoffs and that they get there. And and I just think the Bears are going to be a bigger story than the Cubs or the, the Hawks or the Bulls for the next couple of months. It's what we're all going to be talking about. It's going to be a lot of fun. Well, before real quickly, before I let you go, who are those two quarterbacks you've seen so far that are better and why? Well, I don't, I don't know if they're better. I, I just think that they may be as good and may be better. Or Again, NFL ready. Seen, Let's say better NFL yeah, ready. Okay, NFL ready. The three guys are obviously Drake May, and a lot of people are struggling to decide whether Williams is better than May. And this I get in trouble because I, you know, am an alum. But because I'm an alum and because of my relationship with Harbaugh, I have covered, or not covered, but followed J.J. McCarthy um, for two years now. And I've watched every one of his games probably two or three times. It's more because I'm a Michigan fan. And I am telling you, I also know a lot about how he's been developed through Harbaugh. Um, he has spent a ton of time with Tom Brady in, in, in the last couple of years. And when I watch him, that's who I see. I see Tom Brady. And I think that J.J. McCarthy has a chance to be one of these three guys who turns out to be the best. And you can you can get him later in the first round. You've got to go one or two on, on Mayor Williams. I think that's what's going to happen either, you know, with the Bears and the Commanders or whoever trades for those picks. 
But I, I just think that McCarthy is really interesting because I think he's the third who could turn out to be the franchise quarterback of this group, and you can get him um, and still get a lot more if that's the way they go and if they agree or if they even think that he is one of the top three or four. All right. I like that. Go blue. Yeah. All right. Uh, just throwing more more turpentine on the fire, just more gas on. Here we go. Blow the whole thing up because we do have months to prepare, months to talk about this. Thank you for adding to that. Well, I hope it's been helpful, and it's always a pleasure to talk with you. I look forward <laughs> to talking to you again next week. All right. Thanks, Sub. Thank of Arcus, senior NFL analyst for the score. But take a break. When we come back, uh, Arturis Karnishevis did nothing. Again, he's really good at doing nothing. We'll talk to Cody Westerlund, who covers the Bulls, and see how much, see, see what the something on his mind is about the nothingness of the Bulls. I'm Steve Rosenblum, Saturday Suckage, Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The Step Back 3, you bet! Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through, you deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame, two more rings, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Medella, the Markable Fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. What are you selling to fans at this point? I mean, you keep saying competitive, but what are you selling to the fans? I'm selling a competitive group that is competing right now for playoffs. And and that's just evidence. And, you know, you're bringing up the standings. I mean, we're all bunched up in that area in the middle. So that's, you know, that's what I see with this team at this point. Any adjustments will be made in the future, but, you know, this group is really good. You'll get nothing like it. It's Saturday Suckage on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. Welcome and welcome back. It was our tourist, Karnishevis, answering a question, one of many, trying to figure out what the hell he's doing. And <clears throat> the man in charge of the Bulls apparently does not know how far out of sixth place his team is. And representing an organization that won six trophies believes that competing for a spot in the pity round of the playoffs, that play-in thing, is enough. 
I was suitably angry. I'm sure Bulls fans were. Cody Westerland sounded like it in that teleconference, but we're going to have Cody Westerland, who covers the Bulls for the score, join me on the guest hotline presented by Circus Sports Illinois. Cody, thanks for making time today. I appreciate it. Anytime, Rosie. 25 and 27. Really good. Really <laughs> good by Bulls standards right there on the record for all to hear. He said that this group is really good. And as you said, two games under 500. He has rebuilt the Magic better than he has rebuilt the Bulls. That's that's a good point. And that's, a that's tonight's, op- point. tonight's opponent. So you get to see that on display. The Magic are 28 and 24. And they're ahead of the Bulls in, and the Bulls are, I, what did you make of this whole thing? How did you, you've sat through the three years, this man doesn't make a move at the trade deadline. He seemed real anxious to make a move. He got Vooch, he did that. He go, God, this guy reacts. This guy sees it and reacts. And he has been inert ever since in my world. And you've sat through it for three state years. This one seemed more galling than others. How did you take it? What do you think was most wrong about this whole episode? I I just didn't realize how dug in he was on being competitive until Thursday to chasing a back-end playoff spot. I thought sometimes (laughs) circumstance previously could explain some of that, right? Like the first or second year you do it and don't do a deal, it's because... You do understand and you can see his prism of, I do want to give my core that I like more time. You do have a degree of sympathy on the injury front. I could see both arguments before when I disagreed with it. And I didn't realize how steadfast he was in that belief of his core and how much 500 and the eight seed would mean until you sat through his, I think it was about 22 minutes of citing competitiveness the other day on the Zoom call and the teleconference. So to me, that's what surprised me was how dug in he was because it finally felt like they would have to do something even small. And I also thought, Rosie, just from what I'd heard in recent weeks, that AK and the Bulls were were at least aware of the optics and concerned a little bit about how they never do anything. And then he just kept not doing anything. And if you do want to get into the more granular level, I've talked about some of his processes to me feel off. Like he's giving a lot of role players, player options on the second year of their contracts. Billy Donovan has helped this Bulls team for what they needed. And we can criticize him in other ways and judge him in other ways. But when it comes to instilling an amount of professionalism, he's been great for this group, communication great for this group. I still thought they extended his contract a year too early based off 146 win season when he had two years left. That didn't make sense as a process. And now things like this don't make sense as a process when Andre Drummond's a free agent to be a backup center and you just keep him because you want to beat the Grizzlies on Thursday night, which Andre Drummond was the huge reason they won. But there are just basic economic principles here of how sports work that I feel like he's off base sometimes. Cody, when you say you've heard that the Bulls people are aware internally, they're finally aware of the optics. Does that explain the weird 
One of the weirdest things to me, and maybe you've just explained it, connect the dots for me, of him saying, you know, there are a lot of good stories on this team. Kobe White is one of them. Look at these good stories. And for him to say that and not talk about the team playing basketball almost seemed like a scripted part of whatever he was trained to do. He didn't have a teleprompter, but he had handlers set him up for this. Did that seem odd to you too? I hadn't thought of it that way, Rosie. So I can't sit here and connect the dots and say, yes, someone told me that this is uh-huh. this is what Bulls PR or something drew up. I don't know that that's true, but I mean, you're throwing the theory out. It makes sense a little bit, but I'm not, I'm not trying to overstate that the Bulls are concerned about optics or anything, but it just feels like they are more aware of them now, how he's done nothing. And that's part of the reason why, in addition just to the basketball and kind of sports economic principles and contractual obligations of it all, while I thought they would make a move, that's why it kind of all contributed to me being like, yeah, I would guess they'd trade Andre Drummond. But you bring that up, and that was... That was almost comical. Kobe White's a great story. He's 100% correct. He should have three or four minutes praising Kobe in any media availability he's doing these days, as far and few as they are in between. Because that's a big deal. Kobe earned it, and this front office has him on a good contract and hung on to him. When he had landed in trade talks in recent years, they properly evaluated him. But citing citing the bunched-up standings, like, NBA standings are always bunched up from like 5 to 10 or 11. That's just the case all the time. Citing Vooch getting double-doubles is almost, it's offensive. Like any center that trots out there for 34 minutes a game and gets some degree of touches in today's NBA is basically going to go for 15 and 8, and he's praising 18 and 10 or something. Like none of that made sense to me, and it just showcased how he's not on the same page with Bulls fans. He's not really on the same page how most NBA insiders, executive teams, agents think about things. To me, the Bulls really are, really are on an island here uh, in their commitment to be a middling team. There's nothing wrong with building from the middle, Rosie. There isn't. Absolutely nothing. If it is based on a sustainable degree of young talent, up-and-coming talent, stuff like that, forward-thinking moves. It's great to reside in the middle. The Indiana Pacers have done it for years, sometimes better than others, but they've never completely bottomed out. They've obviously never won a championship here either, but they're a team that has hope and built from the middle. If you're making moves from that angle, I get it. When your ceiling if everything goes perfectly is a second round exit in a playoff series behind Vooch and DeMar leading the way and whatever disgruntled Zach Levine you may have or whatever you flipped him for at some point, that just doesn't do it to me in the build from the middle goal. So this isn't to say they need to be a 15-win team or a 60-win team and can't reside somewhere in the middle. It's just the way they're going about it is confusing to me. The Bulls lead the league in attendance, which is – and and my contention is now that the NBA is much more turnstile-driven than it has been, and there has to be, with the contracts they have and and the way the number one rule in life is follow the money, that anything that sniffs of a playoff game will be valuable in that way. And I don't think there would... They would even think about changes until people stop buying tickets and they don't appear 
close to stopping buying tickets. Is what do you think of that idea? Do you think the the attendance and the big crowds hurt this team actually getting better? Because there's no we sell out the building. Why should we get better? Yeah, I mean, there's some degree of truth to that because when the Bulls finally made front office change in 2020, and John Paxson and Gar Foreman mm-hmm. left, Gar being fired and John going to ownership and saying it's time for me to leave. It, it's weird, right? Because that coincided with the Bulls' worst attendance in, like, decades. They'd always were number one. They were always near 100% capacity with all those sellouts. And then it became a storyline in that, like, third year of the rebuild, how they were putting, at times, what, 15,000 in instead of 20, 21,000, yeah. that the capacity. And then the change happened. But it's also hard to square in the sense that, again, it was John Paxton going to ownership and saying, it's time for me to leave. So it wasn't ownership saying attendance is down. John has to go. It was John finally being like, I'm over this. This organization needs change. I can't give what the job needs. Right. So like I, when you come back to the current front office, I don't think AK is making his moves with the intention of being like, we get two or three extra home playoff games for ownership. They'll be happy. I think it's just an offshoot that ownership is happy about that. And I think probably what's more likely is when he originally interviewed for the job, they just all had the same type of beliefs. And now AK is just doing what he feels is best for the franchise. So I don't, I don't think it's some nefarious thing right now at all ownership saying, and AK made this clear the other day, he said ownership supports whatever he'll do. So the responsibility is on him. I just think they've been aligned really from the start of wanting to get competitive. And this is an offshoot of that. And now we're talking about misplaced priorities and how to achieve that. And what I don't agree with is that the only way to be competitive is to trot out the same 13, 14 players you've had on the roster all year all the time and not make changes. I think the Bulls could still reach some level of competitiveness by turning the roster over, even on the fringes moving forward. All right. You have next 30 games, Cody, we're going to judge your writing and reporting and seeing if we're going to keep you on next year. Cause I don't yeah. know if we want to make sure you're competitive. Okay. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> Thanks for joining me. I appreciate it. Yeah. Anytime Rosie, you take care. All right. Cody Westerland. Join me on the guest hotline presented by Circus Sports Illinois on the Bulls. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. For your broadcasting pleasure, note this. The Chiefs and 49ers meet tomorrow in Super Bowl 58 from Las Vegas. Our official pregame coverage begins at 3. Kickoff at 5.30. Super Bowl can be heard exclusively in Chicago on 6.70 the score or with the free Odyssey app. I'm Steve Rosen. I'll take a break. When I come back, the referee for the Super Bowl. It's an opportunity for those of you looking to make a financial investment in the game. And if you're just looking to wrap your arms around a conspiracy that favors Taylor Swift and her boyfriend and the rest of the chiefties, I'll bring it to you. Chicago Sports Radio, 670, the score. It's Saturday Suckage on 670, the score in Odyssey Station.
I think it's a good question we should bring to the air into our textures. 312-644-6767, Robbie. Robbie and I off the air were discussing is the Wake and Bake Club news. We did a lot of it last week of what you can, how you can make your Super Bowl party raise it even higher. See what I did there? Smoke including including Jones Soda, which is now Delta 8 injected, a THC. You can get THC and Jones Soda in certain places. Um, what, if you were just to make your usual Super Bowl snacks, food, items, that's usually what they are. They're not, they're not sit-down meals. You're not making beef Wellington for Super Bowl, although you could. What would be the best foods to inject? And I know I have Wake and Bake Club members out there who would say, anything, just put it in there. Yeah, they can put it in gummies. You can put it in anything, right? Pot brownies, huh? You're going to see dessert. But what kind of finger foods? So what are they? Robbie? Maybe like a spinach artichoke dip. It's already green. You know, part of it's green. It just blends so right So you're putting in. the flour in there, not any kind of tincture or anything. You're talking about putting the flour in the I don't know if artichoke. that works, though. I don't know if the chemical works if you just sprinkle the flour in there. It has to be baked somewhat. So if I bake it in there, it might work. Yeah, well, it's it's a hot dish. Spinach artichoke dip, when done what right, is a hot dish. But if you put, like, let's say you put it in, like, tortilla chips, and then you dipped it, I think I would get way too high, because I just would be eating the whole thing. I think you should try that and report back to the class next week. <laughs> I might you sleep the whole week until I get Couldn't suck any more, yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll see about that. Um, for those of you looking to make an investment, tomorrow's game. And those of you with theories about how the NFL rigged this so Taylor Swift's boyfriend's team could win, get a load of this from Sharp Football. Sharp Football Analysis is a terrific follow. And it did a long piece on this. The game will be officiated by Bill Vinovich, Bill Vinovich his third Super Bowl as head referee. <clears throat> Vinovich is the epitome of a, quote, let him play referee, especially in postseason games. Well, here we are, the ultimate postseason game. Sharp football analysis continues. We have detailed the decline in offensive holding penalties throughout these playoffs versus regular season averages. Expect that to continue in Super Bowl 58. San Francisco 49ers defensive end Nick Bosa brought the issue to the media's and hopefully the officiating crew's attention in the lead-up to the big game. This caused... Ross Tucker, Odyssey Insider expert, to talk about the 40 whiners. But Nick Bosa knows what's coming. The Chiefs have been the number one beneficiary of the reduction in offensive holding in the playoffs. It would be an ideal scenario for the 49ers to see more offensive holding calls in Super Bowl 58 But that is unlikely. Sharp football analysis continues. We have an an all-star officiating crew, which is a topic of conversation somewhere else. But if there is one surefire playoff trend, regardless of the crew makeup and the head referee, it's the emphasis on reducing overall penalties. Look for the Vinovich-led crew in Super Bowl 58 to follow this script. That's why Nick Bosa was saying early in the week, 
I hate the way the Chiefs' offensive linemen hold. I hate the way they get away with holding. I hate the way... Well, if you assess what the Chiefs did in the regular season, remember, they weren't good. Pat Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes bailed them out and that defense. According to Sharp's football analysis, the Chiefs' overall offense and offensive line issues during the season have been in sharp decline in their playoff run. The Chiefs averaged 5.3 penalties per game in 2023 in the regular season with 63% committed by the offense, around three and a half offensive penalties a game. The Chiefs are averaging just 2.6 penalties per game on their current playoff run with the offense responsible for 70% of penalties. That amounts to 1.8 offensive penalties per game, a significant drop from the regular season average. Since the drop in offensive penalties is primarily via holding, it's a huge boon to the Kansas City offense that struggled at times in 2023. And it's obvious the NFL wants an aesthetically pleasing and a picture. And that picture does not include a bunch of flags flying and getting picked up and the referee turning on his mic. And nobody wants to hear from Bill Vinovich. Bill Vinovich knows this. The Kansas City Chiefs know this. They are going to hold like 10-year veterans. You just watch. So remember the week before, we made it a point to talk about it on this show. The NFL assigned a referee to Kansas City at Baltimore who favors the road team. The referee calls more penalties on the home team. And the road team won. And Taylor Swift's boyfriend got into the Super Bowl. And now the Taylor Swift's boyfriend got into the Super Bowl. And Taylor's flying from Japan, we believe. I don't know if the Taylor tracker is active yet. But the referee is now part of the leniency group. Let him play. Leniency group regarding holding on the offensive line, which is Patrick Mahomes' offensive line which would neuter San Francisco's, the best part of its defense. And here you go. NFL conspirophiles, there you go. And I did not want to miss the opportunity to also mention this. Um, It has nothing to do with the Super Bowl unless you look at the Super Bowl through Bears rebuild ideas. There's been so much speculation by so many people, so many different places, so many different outlets about what they're going to do. Well, here's the view from Walmart, because that's where you go for your football information. Joey Ice, the former frozen guy at my Trader Joe's, sent me a photo. At the Walmart he walked into, Walmart had marked down a version of Justin Fields' jerseys to eight bucks and stuck a clearance sign on the rack. So, you got to ask yourself this Does Walmart have better sources than Colin Cowherd? No, seriously. Does it? Do you think Walmart's going to have to walk back the clearance of Justin Fields' jerseys? Could Walmart have worse sources than Colin Cowherd? I'm just saying everything's up for discussion now, right? 
I would love a spokesman from Walmart to come on 670 The Score. Maybe they, maybe they would. Maybe I they would. I was just speculating. All right, you know? right. Yeah. So I just, <laughs> I was, I was hysterical. So maybe they know. Okay, Fields is getting traded. Let's get rid of the jerseys now. And Caleb Williams is going to be here. There were no Caleb Williams jerseys there. And the way Hub was talking, maybe the Bears fall in love with J.J. McCarthy. Maybe they fall in love with Drake May. Maybe they. Make some swift moves and oh, see what I did there. I'm in my, I'm in my Bears quarterback era, and maybe they do all that and get the guy they want. And but Walmart didn't say that. Walmart just let you know that Justin Fields is out of here because I trust their sources. Yeah, who let them know? Right, Ian Rappaport is calling Walmart. Also, update on the Taylor Swift tracker. She lands at four thirty-five Central Time. Is she taken off yet? Yeah, she's she's in the air as we speak. Is there a Taylor? Is there NORAD like they did Santa's yeah. Santa's sleigh? They they're updating every thirty minutes on this uh, flight radar. Seriously? Yeah. There's a flight. There is an actual tra- Taylor tracker. Yeah, there's a Taylor tracker. Well, you know, want to share with the class what the what the site is. People might want to go to that and track Taylor. Where did you find this? Uh, FlightRadar24.com. Not Flight Radar 13, because that's your favorite number, or Flight Radar 87. <laughs> that's, that's funny. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, cultural zeitgeist. It's Taylor. It's the Super Bowl. It's Harvard. Yeah, I'll connect those dots. And some legends that we need to remember. I'm Steve Rosenblum, Saturday Suckage. I suck so you don't have to. Oh, and if I don't, Robbie does. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 